0: It's October 15th and it's time for Smack Talk, a podcast brought to you by Webster Sports Media Club. I'm Zach Goodman, your host. And today I have a very special guest, Drew Stahl. Grew up with him playing baseball. He plays Division I baseball at the University of Minnesota. Got some playtime last year as a freshman. Very impressive, and we're really lucky to have him join us today. What's up, Drew?
1: Thanks for having me on, man. It's good
0: to be here. It's good to catch up a little bit. Of course, it's always catching up with you, but the topic we're going to cover today is the ongoing pandemic that obviously has affected everyone's lives. We're going to hit up on how it's affected, not just how it's affected my D3 experience, but to your D1 experience, and then you also had the pleasure of playing in the Northwoods, which is a top premier baseball league for summer athletes in college. Just tell us how your season ended last year. How did how did that all happen? It was
1: uh, obviously really quick. Things happened like speed of light. I remember sitting at a clubhouse, so we had the news on. It had coronavirus headline for the first time. Didn't really think much of it. Our coaches said, Hey, this thing's kind of coming around, but we should be good. just focus in on the series we have coming up. I think we were I think we had TCU at home that weekend early in the season. And it seemed like that was the Friday night game that we had talked about it. And by our midweek game against North Dakota State, the next week, we didn't know what was gonna happen with our season, if they were gonna let people in, And then it led to that weekend we were leaving for Air Force. We were packing our bags to get on the plane, go play a non-conference series there. And that's when our season ended. I remember watching the news in the locker room again and the uh, headline of the NBA being canceled and the NCAA March Madness Tournament. And when we all saw that, we knew it was a domino effect. And at that point, they just held us
0: back. You could feel it coming once the NBA shut down. It was really crazy because my experience, we left to Florida. And at the start of the trip, like you had heard of coronavirus, but it wasn't more than the common flu. That's what people were comparing it to. And you're like, okay, not a big deal. Like, didn't feel the season was going to be threatened by any means. And then out of nowhere, just in a few days' time, the entire thing changed. You're lucky enough to set sides, Hobbit. You guys play in the Minnesota Vikings Stadium, don't you, early in the season?
1: We're lucky enough to get to play at U.S. Bank, which is the new stadium here in Minneapolis, built a couple years ago multi-purpose, how they funded it with taxpayer dollars, I think. We're able to get in there and, you know, it helps up here. It's negative it's 10 early in the season. We're not playing outside. So we have that benefit. It's a really cool thing. If you
0: have not looked that up, looked up Minnesota baseball at the Minnesota Vikings Stadium because it's – spectacular it's a really cool place to play college baseball and then obviously you guys have your own park while we're sidetracked might as well go after you the pleasure of playing with the third overall pick this last year max meyer tell me how it was just hanging out with him and being around a guy who was picked that
1: high in the mlb draft it was really cool max is a great guy great work ethic does his thing when you watch him play catch and things like that it just looks different he's got that professional attitude and carries himself in that manner and he is one of the most competitive people I've ever met, and he's honestly one of the best teammates I've had. I've never played with someone that was like, hey, stall, ground ball, take two steps to your right before this pitch, and I'll be darned right at me, two steps to my right. And He just has an unreal feel for the game, and it was really fun to watch and, and play with, and that was an experience I'll be able to tell my kids about for sure. It's really cool to play with guys that are going to make it.
0: Uh, obviously, hasn't made it yet, but third overall pick, lots of high hopes for him going in to the minors. Webster was blessed. It's been a big news this year with Josh Fleming being the first Webster student to make it to the big leagues. He's on the Rays roster right now in the ALCS. They're playing well. And he went 5-0 this year. It was a big thing for Webster. And it must be very special, Uh, although there's a lot more Minnesota guys that get drafted than Webster guys. But a third overall pitch is spectacular. Just going on as a freshman, this had a a big effect on you because this was your first college baseball experience. You worked so hard in the fall, and then it comes back onto you. But I think the pandemic, to me, affects the incoming freshmen, the freshmen now, the most because they lose their senior year of high school baseball, which stinks. My senior year of high school was one of the best seasons of my life, just so much fun playing. And they lose out on that. Plus, they go into a situation now where there's a ton of seniors coming back, and there's a lot of positions that are already filled that weren't supposed to be filled, so they might have to wait an extra year to play. Is there anything like that going on in Minnesota?
1: Our coaching staff here does a really good job. Our motto as a coaching staff is that they're preparing us for the next 50 years of our life, not just as baseball players, but as men as well. And I think they stay really true to that. So there's not a lot of over-recruiting that gets done here specifically. We had one senior last year. He did not come back. He was a fifth year. We would have loved to have him back. He was a great guy, awesome guy. But I do feel for the freshmen. I know how fun that senior year of baseball was and and coming into college with COVID protocols. And it's hard to be around the whole team at one time, just social distancing and things like that. And And I really do feel for them and I'm excited to be able to play with them, hopefully coming up soon, just to get around them and let them have that college feel. Because I know coming in as a freshman, it was hard anyway. And having our teammates there, it's a special thing to be able to just go to those guys that that have that experience. And and hopefully we're doing a good job of doing it virtually and, and communicating with them. But I'm excited for them to get the locker room feel, so to say. Exactly. When I came in as
0: a freshman, as as any freshman does, no matter if you're an athlete or if you're at any school, there's a lot going on in your life when you leave home for the first time, you're away from your parents, away from your family, nothing's really familiar. And then you do it all with having all these COVID protocols, and it's hard to go see your teammates. That's what got me through my freshman year, especially first semester, was I was able to walk around the dorms, you meet a ton of people, you're hanging out with your teammates all the time. There's a big camaraderie about that. Without that, like is there basically held to their rooms in a lot of places. Like, you know, It's really strict going out. It's hard to meet new people. And it's it's definitely a weird situation, not just for athletes, but for anyone in that situation as a freshman this year. And uh, everyone listening to this podcast, unless you're on the age of 18 or, or didn't go to uh, college, took a different route, has had that experience. And even if you hadn't, it's a different experience the first time you leave home. So it's, it's definitely tough. Walk me through what kind of protocols do you guys have in place? Have you guys been practicing?
1: Uh, yeah, we actually have a lot of protocols, and I think a lot of places do. So some like basic things that we do, we fill out a contact sheet every day, every 24 hours, and just who you've been around without a mask. So it does, it does kind of limit you because you know, you want to play and you don't want to be contacts of other people. And we want to do our best to to mitigate the spread. So you're stuck hanging out with your roommates. Um, all the time and I'd say stuck is a light term very grateful to have great roommates and we play a lot of Guitar Hero and stuff but it's definitely different than then freshman year when when we would all be able to go hang out. But filling out things like that contact sheet, temperature checks every day when you walk in the building. All of our school is online right now, which has been difficult and paired with baseball has been hard too. We've been able to practice. We've, we've been practicing in pods a little bit. So just grouped up in smaller groups. It's not full team practice. We've been able to get some work in. It's been a good fall, really nice weather because because, you know, here in the Midwest, it's a little bit different of a cold, especially up here up north in Minnesota. We're doing the best we can to stay outside and and stay in our small groups and, and prepare as best we can for this upcoming season.
0: Yeah, that the weather definitely is a little bit different. Uh, people asked me because a bunch of Colorado kids came. I I was the only Colorado kid last year on the team. But this year... A bunch of Colorado kids came in as freshmen. They asked me, like, oh, it won't be anything big because we're from Colorado. It gets cold there. Oh, but it's a different cold with this humidity. It goes right through your, your clothes. It's, it's really cold out here, and I can't even imagine being in Minnesota. It must be brutal. It's good that the kids are outside. We've actually been, had the benefit of being able to do full practices with full teams. We have to wear masks the entire time during practice, which is very uncomfortable, especially uh, during the heat. It gets all, all sweaty and muggy, and it's it's no fun but at least we were able to practice. There's definitely a lot of protocols thrown into place. Have you guys been tested at all? Like COVID tests?
1: Uh, uh, yeah, we got we got tested in and the university is doing their best to continually test people so that we can keep everyone here safe and healthy. And obviously masks are a big thing. A lot of the times walking out the door of the apartment, you'll see your roommate and be like, hey man, where's your mask? It's definitely different. Just in in everyday life, I think it's it's different. And wearing a mask to practice and playing catch with a mask on and and doing stuff like that is is a new experience and and something that that I wouldn't wouldn't wish for anyone going forward in the future. And hopefully, as as a society, this helps us understand and learn and prepare better for the future. But right now, I, I'm trying to just take it in stride. With it's an experience, and we're going to learn from it, and and hopefully, it's just a story one day. Have you guys been able to lift? Yeah, we've been getting in the weight room a little bit. Same kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Small groups. Try and limit it to like six, seven people. Our weight room square footage wise is pretty big, so we're able to space out pretty good and, and get a rack to ourselves. Yeah, it's it's been good to get back in the weight room and and just be back around at least that small group of guys has been has been really nice and and I think good for mental health. It's it's hard to be at home away from your teammates, your friends, uh, kind of your whole second life, so to say. It's, it's definitely hard to be away from that, and when you have to go into quarantine or anything like that, I I couldn't even imagine. It's, re- it's really difficult.
0: Oh, it's definitely hard. You, you really take for granted the, the little things that you don't love to do normally, like, for example, going to the grocery store, just going to school in class. Sometimes you're like, oh, I can't, I, I don't really want to go to class today. But when you're stuck in quarantine and you can't go to class every day and you're just kind of stuck in your apartment or, or wherever you're living, it, it gets boring and it definitely affects the mental health. So I'm sure lifting with those groups is beneficial. We have to, after every lifting session, we just got a new weight room at, at Webster University. It's awesome. New training facility for the athletes. It's great. But we have to clean after every single session. We have to, I mean, we're wearing masks the entire time. We have to clean the entire thing with spray and, and washcloths and yeah. stuff before the next, every plate, everything we touch shows into it. Uh, so it's definitely a change of pace. You played in the Northwoods this last summer, uh, one of the top baseball leagues, tons of, of major leaders that came out of that baseball league. What was it like playing in a in a top baseball summer league, especially COVID?
1: It was different. It was nice. That was after probably three or four months of quarantining at home, doing our part. It was good to get back and just be around the game. I never lost my love for baseball, but that three month period you kinda of go numb. Or at least I did. And I think a lot of people would join me in that feeling. It was nice to just be around the game. And you know, a lot of people talk about the sounds and the crack of the bat and, and the glove popping and and guys just joking around in the dugout. And I think I realized how much I missed a lot of that, and it was good to get out there. And There were COVID protocols there too, temperature checks every day, 10 guys in the locker room. So that was fun. It was different. It was just good to be back out there, and I, I really enjoyed it.
0: Were there fans at the, the games?
1: There were. Northwoods, obviously, it was, they were able to get some people in, but it was limited by capacity, obviously, and every ballpark was different. So when we played in Lacrosse, they had a little bigger stadium, so they were able to get a bunch of people in I think we played there on opening night and there were about a thousand people there, which was felt like a lot. We hadn't played in front of people in a long time. Our stadium was only able to hold 300, and I think it just went by county and what they were allowing. It was good. It, it felt a little bit normal.
0: Yeah and playing in front of people is always so special, especially in the Northwood in a normal summer. Some of those places really pack their their stadiums because that's all they got in those little towns, and they, they really sell out for these college baseball teams. It must have been a really cool experience.
1: Regardless, uh, do you know where you're playing next summer? Playing the California Collegiate League next summer up in Sacramento with the Lincoln Potters. I'm really looking forward to it. So it's been kind of a dream of mine to to play in California and spend a the summer there and enjoy it. And we play a lot of games in Southern California, so nice weather and summer and ocean. And I think that'll be good. And hopefully it'll be a little more normal, what we're used to.
0: Yeah, hopefully everything gets back to normal and and both of us have our seasons next spring and, and hopefully maybe even have some less restrictions this fall to be able to prepare for our seasons. Drew, thank you so much. We wish you the best of luck during this upcoming season. Go Gophers, and we appreciate you coming on the podcast.
1: Yeah, well, thanks, man. I appreciate it. It was great to be here. Uh, look forward to seeing you soon, man. Now we're going to move on to Major League
0: Baseball, which has had their struggles with COVID as well, playing the most interesting baseball season ever. Only 60 games were played for the regular season. A bunch of teams made the playoffs compared to the normal amount, and it's been very exciting. I'm joined by Jackson King to discuss that. Hello, Jackson.
2: Hey, Zach. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, of course. Always love having you. We're going to jump right into it. The NL, we had Los Angeles Dodgers with the Atlanta Braves. Dodgers beat the Brewers and the Padres to get here. And I'll tell you what, how exciting was that LA vs San Diego series? Even though it was a sweep.
2: Oh, it was amazing! I love watching San Diego play. The young talent they have, especially with Fernando Tatis Jr., always electric and always something fun to do with it. You know, always bringing new excitement to the game.
0: They were the most exciting team for me to watch, even as a Rockies fan. Their first series against the Cardinals was great too. After winning Game One, they were up six-two late in Game Two, and the. The Padres come back and start hitting so many home runs. and You watch Machado and, and Fernando Tatis going off. And it was so exciting. They're, they're so exciting to watch. And they did it without some of their top pitchers. Clevenger and Lamette didn't throw in the, the series against St. Louis. And then Lamette didn't throw in the series against Los Angeles. So they were a little shorthanded, but they still put up a great fight.
2: They're one of those teams that... They're fun to watch, but they play the game the right way. They have the excitement. They have the showboating a little bit. I mean, the new format that baseball brings, but at the same time, they're playing fundamental baseball and having fun while doing it. So I'm a big Padres fan. I love watching them.
0: People call it showboating. And obviously, Fernando Tatis he had trouble with hitting a home run, like up seven runs or something like that, swinging 3 I don't have any problem with it. I think that's where baseball's headed. You need to have this excitement. They bring a ton of excitement, they bring fans. San Diego is going crazy about them right now, especially with, I mean, that's the only sports team they have now. They're going absolutely nuts over the Padres. It's great for the Padres to be back in the postseason. Now we transfer over to the Los Angeles Dodgers, ended up winning that series. What got them here?
2: Honestly, just the star power that they have. They have that grit and grind team that they know that they're going to win. They have pitching. They have a tremendous outfield. They have They have a lot of players that can come up when they need them to. They're just a well-rounded, amazing team. They're tough to beat.
0: To me, the Dodgers system as a whole might be the best in the big leagues over the course of the last 15, 20 years. They have been dominant, even though they don't have any championships. They have been dominant. They've been upset in the playoffs, and obviously you got to talk about that. It feels like every single guy that comes up in their organization ends up turning into a superstar. And guys that struggle in other organizations end up being on the Dodgers and playing really well. For example, Max Muncy didn't have a great career, and then he comes with the Dodgers and comes in, now he's a superstar-level player. Then you combine that with guys like Cody Bellinger, Mookie Betts, two MVPs right there. They're really, really good. Will Smith's had a great year. Torrey Cedar, Justin Turner's one of the better hitters in baseball. KT Hernandez, Jack Peterson. I mean, they're just unbelievably stacked on the offensive side of the ball.
2: You look at Justin Turner, if you ever heard the story about how they found him, they found him actually at an alumni game. He wasn't, I don't think he was scouted or anything after college to go pro, but apparently he played really good at an alumni game and the Dodgers ended up signing him and then he made his way up through the ranks. I mean, he's in that Dodgers organization and ends up being a stud and hitting nukes for him.
0: To me, I think it's interesting. If you watch the Dodgers, I've always been interested as a player myself, to figure out what they're doing they do a bunch of new ideals of hitting and all their guys do it if you watch their swings how they finish they all look very very similar whatever they're doing it's working because they put up a ton of runs now you put in their pitching staff and it's unbelievable the main thing i looked at their pitching staff earlier on in the year they scratched i think i can't remember who it was i think they scratched kershaw game one and they're like okay You scratch your starting pitcher, who you have to go to. In game one, they go to Dustin May. (laughs) Your guy had no idea he was going to come into pitch, and he's pumping 98 99 off the mound. Hard two seamers. Dustin May is nasty. And that just explains the depth they have on the the pitching front.
2: And he's so young, too. I mean, you look at Kershaw, who's, I wouldn't say he's at the end of his career because I feel like Kershaw's one of the best pitchers ever played. So I feel like he's probably saw his three or four more seasons. But you look at their rotation, they're all young guys. They have maybe two two or three older guys, and then the rest of them are 23, 24 coming up and looking good. It
0: amazes me as a baseball fan, and you see this with the Tampa Bay Rays too, every single guy that comes out of their bullpen is throwing close to 100 miles an hour with nasty stuff, and it's like, how are you supposed to hit this stuff? And obviously, big league hitters are not doing that nowadays, turning around, fast, fast pitching. But, I mean, you look at Kenley Jansen, hard cutters, Joe Kelly, Hard two seamers up up there near 100. Bruce Broussard uh, Gratterall throwing 100 in touch 101. Blake Trinan with the A's a few years ago had like a .7 ERA in the regular season, something ridiculous like that. Don't quote me on the exact number, but it was some ridiculous number. He goes there. Jake McGee, who was really good in Tampa Bay, didn't pitch great on the Rockies. I know all about that, but he comes back. <laughs> And he pitched a really good year for them. That's before you even mentioned guys like Walker Buehler and you, you talked about Clayton Kershaw. They're unbelievably stacked.
2: Oh, their their pitching rotation is is one of the best in the, in the bigs right now. Obviously, that's why they're here. They have their star hitters. They have their amazing coaches. But I feel like their pitching is what gets them there.
0: Yeah, they didn't run into much trouble. This was a star team. They were the number one team in the National League. They had no trouble with the Brewers. They had a little bit of trouble with the Padres, but they still swept them. So not that much trouble. They were undefeated 5-0 and going into the NLCS. And game one, the Atlanta Braves took from them. They were also 5-1 and going into the NLCS. They've been through three games when we're recording. It's 2-1 Atlanta. But a lot of people still think this is the Dodgers series to lose.
2: I think the Braves are hot right now. I think the Braves are... And if if this isn't their year, next year is for sure going to be their year. They have Ozzie Albies hitting bombs right now, and Ronald Acuna Jr. stepping up, Freddie Freeman. Just guys are stepping up, and that's not even talking about their young pitchers like Max Fried coming in and throwing an amazing game. They're a great team, and everybody kind of slept on them. This is definitely the Dodgers' series to lose.
0: Did you know that (laughs) Jack Flaherty, Lucas Giolito, and Max Fried all pitched for the same high school team at the same time, Harvard-Westlake, California?
2: I did not know that. I know those guys are all studs in the game right
0: now. Imagine going up against that team, and you had three future, not just big leaders, but first-round big leaders coming in, and they're pitching well. Jack Flaherty is one of the best pitchers in the game right now. Lucas Giolito threw a no-hit, almost threw a no-hitter in the playoffs. You're talking about high-level guys that are all at the same high school, so that's a story in itself. I can't imagine they lost very much. I I remember reading about it when they were all on the same team, they actually did lose, and then they graduated a couple guys, and I can't remember who was the under one. I think Flaherty was the only one left, and then they ended up winning a state championship with him.
2: But what a team there. Imagine let's being go back 17 to- going up against those guys.
0: Yeah, they're all throwing high 90s and just unbelievable. They've been great this year. And like you talked about, Freddie Freeman should win the MVP, in my opinion, this year. If you look at the statistics – how much he walks and his OPS, it's just unbelievable. Ozzie Albies, he's hitting home runs right to Mark Melanson in the bullpen. He's has two of his home runs. Dansby Swanson, the number one overall pick. And then you go to their outfield and you have Ronald Junior Jr., Marcelo Zuna batting three-hole for him. They had a lot of really good players, even though they were good. They were kind of an under-the-radar team because they're overshadowed by the Dodgers. But they're they up 2-1 so far.
2: Hopefully we can pull it out. Like I said, I'm a, I'm a Braves fan. I'm a big Dansby Swanson guy. I love defense, so... Hopefully we can pull it out and make it to a World Series.
0: They've just been in games. They don't give up a lot of runs. And, I mean, they almost blew that game, too, when they were up 8-1. to They ended up making it 8-7 in that last inning. And, obviously, yesterday we watched the Dodgers put up 15 runs. But for the rest of the playoffs, it's been – lights out.
2: They're pitchers, at least. They always try to keep them in the games. And they're all young as well. You have Max Freed, Ian Anderson, uh, Kyle Wright, a bunch of young guys. They had Cole Hamels in there to kind of be that mentor and that role model for him to kind of help be away because he used to run with the Phillies all the time.
0: And he's not on the postseason roster, but he did earlier in the season as a mentor uh, position do those things, added a little bit of veteranship to that, that Atlanta Braves roster. They were really good. They had Dominant wins over the Reds and the Marlins. Not the hardest way to get there. But let's talk about the Marlins right now for a second. The Marlins, the Fish, were so much fun to watch. Knocking out the Cubs, the three-seeded Cubs. A lot of people don't like that around here, even though St. (laughs) Louis is a cardinal city. Lots of Cubs fans here, especially at Webster University. And they did not like that. But the Fish go 2-0, Take two from the Cubs. They're fun to
2: watch. They had a bunch of young guys, but still they had some veteran mentors out there. I mean, Sandy Alcantara was fun to watch pitching-wise. They're a good team. They're young. A couple years, I feel like they'll be a consistent playoff team.
0: They surprised everyone because they were supposed to be like the worst team in baseball. That's not how it It fell out this year. You look at these young guys who just started playing really, really well for him.
2: You look at Jazz Chisel, I think he was a top 20 prospect for him. One of the better prospects they had in their league, him and uh, Sixto Sanchez. I mean, they both showed up in the postseason. I'm not going to say that they're the reason they're there, but they definitely played a significant role in that team.
0: They play a fast game. They play sound defense. And they are young, and they're definitely a team to look out for in future years. The Reds got knocked out by the Braves. Uh, early on in the postseason in the wild card round. Lost two straight games. One of them went to 10 innings or 11 innings or whatever it was with Bauer on the mound, and that's a big one. Bauer, where's he going to go this offseason? He's, he's having fun on Twitter, talking about the teams that could use him. And, oh my gosh, anyone could use him. He's, in my opinion, the Cy Young winner this year.
2: Oh, for sure. I, I'm not for sure where he's going to go. I'm hoping he actually goes to... <laughs> Probably the White Sox. That's my guess. Because I know they're looking at starting pitching. I know they're also looking at Marcus Stroman, but I would love to see Trevor Bauer go to the White Sox. And especially all the guys around here would absolutely love that.
0: Before we jump into the White Sox, let's talk about who you expect to take this Dodgers-Braves series. Braves are up 2-1 as we talk. Clayton Kershaw on the bump today. On
2: the tonight. bump today. I'm going to have to stick with my with my team. I think the Braves are going to win in six. I think Kershaw is going to take this game tonight, sadly but I think the Braves are going to win in six. Maybe the Dodgers push it to seven, but the Braves are they're too hot right now. They're having so much fun. They're a fun team to watch. I would love to watch them in the World Series.
0: I think as much as I'd love to see the Braves win, as personally I like to root against the Dodgers, <laughs> I think star power on that team is too unbeatable. They go too deep. Their organization has run too well. They're going to come back, especially after that dominant game three win. I think that kind of flipped the script of the series. I think they're going to come back and win this series either in six or seven. We'll I'm, see. I'm
2: hoping not. I'm hoping not.
0: I personally hope not either. But <laughs> if, you, if you had to make me guess which team was going to come back, I think the Dodgers get it done. As uh, much they're as they're I'd go, love to see Kershaw get
2: a get a ring, I, I don't want to happen this year.
0: I I hope it never happens. I personally <laughs> love watching the Dodgers lose. But I think that they'll – I think that they'll end up taking it. So we go into the Oakland versus the White Sox series. That was a good series. Oakland took it in three. It's really exciting because the White Sox are another team to watch. They're like the Padres, super young, lots of really young talent that plays a game with a lot of electricity.
2: I'm big on Tim Anderson. I love watching him. I love his bat flips when he hits home runs. You have Jose Abreu. You have Michael Kopech on the rotation. They're all young. They're fun to watch. I like the the White Sox.
0: Yeah, they're a lot of fun to watch. Like you said, Tim Anderson just came short of winning his second straight batting title because one of my favorite players in the big leagues, DJ LeMahieu, came back and won it again. He's been unbelievable. Dallas Keuchel, Lucas Giolito, and their infield's great. Yad Anderson, Yeah, Lurie Garcia, Yon Mankata had a great year. Eloy Jimenez is the young prospect that's just unbelievable. Hits balls a mile and a half. This is not a bad baseball team.
2: You look at the roster, I do maybe three guys in the starting rotation that are over 25, 26. I mean, everybody's young. Everybody's exciting to watch. They have so much potential and so much more room to grow, but it's still at the same time, they're experienced because they've been in this organization for three or four years already playing.
0: They're going to be a team to, that's exciting to watch. You talked about, you think power goes there. I respect what they did. I'm not saying this, I, that I want this to happen, but sometimes you wish, like, oh, the Rockies pull the trigger and just go, hey, we're going to trade away all our, our star players and really really bulk up to be good in three, four years. And that's what the White Sox did. They traded away all their superstars because they didn't think they could win with them and only kept on to really Jose Abreu. That's, like, the only guy left from that era. They were bad for a couple of years, but now their time to shine is coming up.
2: I like when teams tank, but at the same time, I hate it just because it's hard on the fans. I mean, I'm a Phoenix Suns fan for basketball, and we've been tanking for like 10 years. Okay, so it it hurts. It hurts, but I think right now is the the best time for tanking to show up because it's proven to itself. Look at all these prospects they have from drafts. I think it's almost worth it to tank for like three or four years just so they can have 10 to 12 years of success.
0: The Marlins have been tanking a little bit, too, and it's turned out for them as well. They they make the playoffs this year. They were bad for a few years. They were predicted to be really bad this year, and then now they turned around. They're really a baseball team, and these are things that sometimes it's not fun to do, but sometimes it's necessary to do as, as an organization.
2: It's it's worked out for these teams, the Marlins, the White Sox. All these teams have been through their, their rough droughts and their time to lose, but now I feel like it's their time to win, and they're proving it. That's for sure.
0: Well, a team that's also done that is the Houston Astros. And you know how good they've been, scandal or not, over the last few years. Early in Jose Altuve's days, when they were still in the National League, they were 100-loss teams like multiple years in a row. They were not very good. And they turned it around into now they're 100-plus win teams every single year. They obviously they weren't great this year, but they still snuck into the playoffs. And now they're in the ALCS. They beat the Twins 2-0 and he saw Correa go up there and say, hey, this proves that we, we're still good without cheating and everyone got backlash. But then they go out and they beat the Athletics as well. And the Athletics were the second best team in the AL this year. So I don't know. They've made kind of a statement.
2: I still think, cheating or not cheating, I still think that the Astros are a great organization. Look at their pitching right now. They lost Garrett Cole to the Yankees and then uh, Justin Verlander with Tommy John surgery, but they still have decent pitching. And then you have Carlos Correa, George Springer, Jose Altuve. They're still a well-rounded, good team, I feel like.
0: Their lineup is still so scary because they haven't been cheating since 2017. So these guys have been playing fair baseball the last two years and almost won a World Series doing it. And obviously what they did was terrible and terrible for baseball. In my opinion, I think a lot more teams were cheating in some sort. I can't believe that they were the only team that goes, hey, look, we can see the catcher signs. We're going to do this. I... might not have been that, but I think it would have been terrible for baseball if more teams got out. But there was rumors going around that other teams had done it and used the same things. So I think that baseball might have just covered it up. But the Astros were a scapegoat, what they did was not right. They should have been punished more harshly than they were. But now you're looking at a team that, through all this adversity, is in the ALCS for the fourth time in a row. And they're still a dangerous roster uh, when we're recording this. They're down 3 1 in the series. Could pull it back to 3 2 if they win tonight. Their lineup is so, so scary. At Alex Bregman, Carlos Correa, George Springer, homer again. Jose Altuve's homer three times this series already. Fortunately for him, all in the first inning. Uh, Michael Brantley, Yuri Guriel, who's not had a great postseason, been a little cold, but he's still dangerous. And you look at all these guys, Reddick, and I mean, they're still stacked.
2: Yeah, cheating or not cheating, they're still a great team. All these guys know how to hit the ball. Yeah, it's a little harder not knowing what's coming in, but still they're professionals who have done it their whole life.
0: Yeah, and I remember last year you talk about it. On paper, their roster was the best I've ever seen, maybe in Major League history. The The depth of the lineup that we just talked about, all those guys were there last year and playing at all-star levels. Then you talk about Garrett Cole, Justin Verlander, the two AL Cy Young <laughs> leaders, and then you have Zach Grinke to back them up and then McCullers as well. I mean, they were stacked as all get out. And then you talk about Morton from a few years ago, and they had Morton um, before we moved to the Rays. They've had tons of great pitching, and here they are. As much as baseball purists hate that they're there, baseball fans across the world hate that they're there, the Houston Astros are in the ALCS, and they're battling away.
2: Yeah, the only thing I can say is let's go Rays.
0: Let's go, Rays. As Webster baseball fans, you got to love the Tampa Bay Rays. Obviously, Josh Fleming, he got in the game pitch tonight. Three runnings, two earned runs. Not his best outing, but he's been spectacular over the first part of this year. A lower than a three ERA, five and O. Oh. He's been great. Repping out for Webster baseball, been great for us. And congratulations to him. But this Rays team, talk about exciting what we talked about with the White Sox and the Padres, another young, young team. When you look at their lineup, you don't even know who these guys are. Mike Brusso, I remember talking to a lot of baseball experts, even analysts who work on TV, and they're like, yeah, I've never even heard of the guy. And then he takes Chapman deep. That was the hardest pitch a home run was hit on the entire season, over 100 miles an hour. And he put it over the left field bleachers in a tie game to win it in the bottom of the eighth. That was spectacular. There's guys you never heard of, but they're all good. And we talked about their bullpen too. Every guy that walks out there, it seems like he's throwing 100 miles an hour.
2: Oh, their they're starting rotation right now is amazing with Glasnow and Charlie Morton. And then you get Nick Anderson that comes out here with a nasty two-seam throwing 99. They're a tough team. I can't forget about Blake Snell either. I, f- I actually forgot about him. But yeah, Blake Snell, amazing. They're fun to watch. Their salary is actually one of the cheapest in baseball right now, too. And look how far they've come.
0: There was some stat I saw. I can't, I don't know the exact numbers, but something like Jose Altuve... Even with this shortened season, they got their salaries cut a little bit as making something like $12 million or or something like that. And the entire starting lineup's making like 11 or something. It was, it was smaller than Jose Altuve's entire salary. They're balling on a budget. The Tampa Bay Rays and the Oakland A's are the two teams where you also look at. They're almost good every single year and they have no money. How are they doing it? And if you're a, a big name team, how can you not look at what they're doing and try to replicate it because it's unbelievable. And all these great young players that they have going right now, they're going to have to trade them away soon because they're not going to be able to afford them because they're all going to be really, really good players and they're going to feast it on by the Yankees of the world.
2: I think a big part of it is their farm systems. Their farm systems are amazing. You always hear about how good the Rays farm system is and stuff like that. And same with the athletics. They can't afford these Garrett Cole of the world's or your Justin Verlander's. I think the last big free agent that the Rays had was, actually I can't even think of one, maybe Tommy Pham from the Cardinals. And he wasn't even that big at the time. They don't have the money to do that, so they just have to build from the bottom.
0: They've been great. Josh Fleming, we talked about, he, he was good for them this year, but he's, he's their depth guy. He's the guy they added to their ALCS roster. Imagine how many teams in the big leagues would want to go, hey, I had a guy who has a 2-9 ERA, 5-0, and and he's not going to make your ALDS roster. That's just spectacular. That doesn't happen on a lot of different teams. You look at guys like Charlie Morton, Ryan Thompson is good, Pete Fairbanks, another guy throwing upper 90s. They just have so many guys. Diego Castillo has been so good, so good. Always important to have a good closer, and he's been that and more for the Rays. He'll been lights five, out. five, six, uh, six outs for you. Look at G-Man Choi. You got to love G-Man Choi. Mike Brusso. Playing a little bit of first base. Adamus has played a great shortstop defensively. Lau's been good at second. Uh, Joey Wendell's been good at third. He, that ball almost went through his glove off the bat of Urshela to end that Yankees series. You remember that line drive at yeah. like 110 miles an hour that he snagged? I'm surprised he, he caught good. it,
2: honestly. As soon as he hit it, my heart dropped, but then I looked up and he caught it. So I was pretty that excited. It happened
0: so fast. Uh, a Rose Arena. Looks like the best baseball player in the, the entire world right now. He homered again tonight and he's got power to all fields. Uh, Kevin Kiermeyer had a sneaky good year. And what they did defensively in game three to win that game was unbelievable. The, the Astros were spraying balls all around the ballpark in situations with runners on second and third, and they're out there making diving catches everywhere. Hunter Renfro made two really good catches to save runs. Uh Pierre Meyer made two really good catches. They're just all over the field.
2: Willie Adamas. Uh, I'm a big defensive guy and I've played shortstop my whole life. So watching Willie Adamas look like a stud at shortstop and him being young uh, gave me hope when I like for when I played. So I, I love watching a good shortstop middle infield combo, and they were making diving plays the whole night, throwing 95 across the diamond. They're, defensively, they're a fun team to watch, and especially when their pitches are holding them to two or three runs a game.
0: All righty. So who you got? I mean, obviously, the Rays lead 3-1 in the series, a 3-3 game. We'll have to see how that turns out tonight. Um, by the time this podcast is out, people already know what happened. But uh, who you got taking in the series, Tampa or Houston?
2: I'm going with
0: Tampa. Yeah, that's pretty easy call. It's easy to pick someone who's up 3-1. Uh, I think it's Tampa as well. I think they have the better team this year. And I think they have the best team in baseball, in my opinion. So it'll be very exciting, especially as much as I'd like to see the Braves in the World Series, I think it'll be a Dodgers-Rays World Series. That, to me, is the pinnacle, because that's the number one seed on each side of the bracket. I think that series goes to seven if, oh, if the yeah. and Rays play each other. And that'd be great for baseball star power all through the Dodgers against this underdog raised team would be a ton of fun to watch.
2: I would still love to watch the, the Astros make it to the world series just so it'd be an Astros Dodgers world series and there yeah, would be yeah. like plenty of beef right there and plenty of fights. So, Oh yeah. It'd be fun for me to watch, but going at him. Yeah. Uh,
1: as
2: much as I'd love for that to happen, it's very unlikely. So,
0: yeah, it's unlikely. I kind of want the Houston Astros to make it just because I think it would be kind of funny. Everyone would be so mad if the Astros made the World Series. But I think it'll be Rays, and then you think it's the Braves. So you got Rays, Braves. Who, who takes the World Series for you?
2: As much as I want to say the Braves, I think the Rays will win.
0: Yeah, I think the Rays beat the Dodgers. I have a little bit different of a matchup, but we're both picking the Tampa Bay Rays. Mm-hmm.
2: I think if the Dodgers make it and beat the Braves, I'm, I'll am i probably pick the Dodgers to win. But if it's Rays-Braves, I'm, I'm going pick to the, pick the Rays on that one.
0: It's hard not to root for the Rays. They've never won a World Series title, only been to one World Series. Here they go. I hope they take it. They lost to the Phillies in 2008. Go Rays. <laughs> go Rays. All righty. Thank you for, for tuning in. This has been a podcast by... Smack Talk. You can check us out on iTunes, Spotify, all the big podcast places. Jackson, thank you for coming out as always.
2: Thanks for having me as always. Appreciate it.
0: And we will see you in a couple of weeks and most likely we'll know who has won the World Series by then. Hopefully it's in Tampa Bay. Then they have Tampa Bay Lightning and the Rays winning these shortened pandemic championships. think they're going to
2: celebrate like the Lightning did? With oh my the God. boats?
0: Oh, yeah. That would be cool. Uh, a little Amazing. bit of a COVID hazard, but... <laughs> Cool. Nonetheless, that was, that was really exciting. Uh, thank you for tuning in though. We'll see you in a couple of weeks.